All right, we are in Matthew chapter 20, and I want you to notice verse 25. It says, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Those last two verses right there, when I was probably 14 or 15, I don't remember how old I was exactly, I just know I was a teenager, I went to a youth conference uh, in Lincoln, Illinois, and I remember the pastor there, uh, Brother S.M. Davis was pastor at the time, he would occasionally do this thing where he would uh, have different people from different groups and he would uh, get their name, uh, their first and their middle name, and then he would uh, give them a certificate that showed like the meaning of their name, uh, what it meant, kind of make a spiritual application with it. He would also give them like a life verse and a life song. And the one that he picked for the meaning of my name, he picked Matthew 20, 27 through 28. And I remember that had a really big impact on me. You know, back then, uh, I, I listened to his stuff all the time, and so he was very influential in my life. And I remember I just came to really like that verse. His song he picked out for me was, I gave my life for thee. And it was all stuff about service. And that was kind of what he kind of, based on what my name meant, uh, you know, he said, that's kind of what you should be, just a servant for God. And he used that verse. And uh, I think I still have that certificate somewhere. But um, I remember some years later, I started preaching and then, I, you know, sometimes people would start asking me if I would sign their Bible because I was a preacher. And so I just started using that verse, and that's just kind of been my life verse ever since. And I do think that uh, I've tried to live by this because I do believe that serving is uh, a call of God on my life, and I believe it's a call of God on all of our life. And I'm continuing my series I started last week about necessary qualities for a successful family. And when I'm talking about successful, I'm talking about a successful Christian family, too. And we want to raise good Christians here. We want to raise functional families, functional homes. And I don't know about you, but I specifically want to raise my kids to continue being independent fundamental Baptists. I, that's what I want. That's my desire. And I believe that there are there are certain things that if we do not have these things, we're, you're just kind of wasting your time. And you can... You can choose to leave some of these ingredients out, but you're not going to turn out a good product. And so last week we talked about faithfulness. This week we are talking about service. And I believe if you want to raise a good family, you need to raise servants. You must teach your children be servants. Don't teach them to be chiefs. Don't teach them to uh, figure out how they can exercise lordship over people, but teach them how to be servants. I'm not telling them, saying you can't be teach them how to be successful in leading a business and stuff like that. I'm all for that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, even your most successful leaders and businesses and stuff, you know, often what motivates them to do right and to be successful is because if you are employing a ton of people, they're kind of dependent on you too. And you realize that, you know, if I mess up, if this company crashes and burns, it's not just me that suffers. It's a bunch of other people too. So the truth is, we're all working for somebody, and the greats are people who think about others, who serve other people. And a servant's heart, as it's often called, I believe is one of the most important qualities 
that a Christian can have. And I also believe it is necessary if you're going to pass anything on to your children. And I'm going to, I'll show you why as we go through this. Because I want to do two things in this message. One, I want to show you, first off, the command to service. I believe we are commanded to serve one another. We are commanded to be servants by God. It's just Bible. You're supposed to do this. So I can get up here and I can hit you over the head all night with Bible verses and we'll do some of that. But I also want to do something else that I think is important and that's to show you why and how that works. Because I do believe when you, uh, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but when you fully commit to obeying something, that's when God often reveals to you the why. Not, you know, most people are waiting, well, when I get it all figured out, then I'll be obedient. You know what? You'll never get it figured out. The people who God reveals things to are those who are faithful, like Abraham, like Moses. And I'm not going to repeat all that. And we're going to see some of these things too, how they're connected. All these things we're going to look at, we're going to kind of see a connection where as we talk about each one of these attributes in these passages, we're going to start seeing references to some other things that are like the next thing we're going to talk about in future weeks, because they're all connected and you can't leave any of these things out. And so when I was growing up, you know, I, I grew up in a home where raising a good family, that was the priority. That was one of the main priorities for my dad. He purposefully watched other pastors and their families, and he always looked for the secrets of their success. If he saw a guy who raised kids who served the Lord, he would just get laser focused on that guy. Like, I want to get to know him. I want to find out what he did right. He would ask that guy what he did. He talked to their kids. He would ask, you know, they're, they're growing up now. He'd ask them what they did because he wanted to know that was his thing. There were even other families too that my dad really liked, really talked up. People who weren't even in the ministry. They weren't preachers or anything, but they were just known for being faithful laymen in their church and who had good families, who had exceptional children. And my dad would watch those people. And he would talk about the things that they did. He would point these things out. My dad, too, he was a pastor. And like any pastor, you know, he paid attention to the big names. He paid attention to the big names with the big churches and all that. But he used to often see how many of these big names turned out sorry kids. And he would always just be like, you know, I'd love to have a ministry like that. But if I've got to lose my kids to get it, I'd rather not have it. So while he didn't just write those guys off, you know, he paid attention to the big names too. He always paid more attention to the little guys who raised good families because that was his priority. And I'm thankful for that because I benefited greatly uh, uh, from that. I'm, I'm very thankful. And so I can say though, during my years growing up, I do think I learned and I was shown pretty early on what works, but it really wasn't until years later that I learned why it worked. And I can tell you for sure in my experience that something I could always find in the kind of families that I want, they're families who not only were raised by faithful servants, but who were who diligently taught their children to serve. And that is an important thing. And I'll, and I'll just tell you, servants, you know, when I see that kind of thing, it, it, it has a big impact with me. Okay, If I may just share this, uh, you know, you guys know Zeke who's been coming around here chasing after Abby. And stuff like that. Well, the first time he came here, I didn't really know much about him. Um, I, I, I didn't really know anything about him. But he called me up. He's like wanting to get to know my daughter. And I just told him, I was like, well, you know what? 
why don't you come on a Sunday so I can get to know you a little bit? You know, I, I, you know, I want to find and I, I wanted to get an impression of him before I let him start anything. But I remember we were we went out to Culver's that night after church and we were just talking about a lot of stuff. You know, and he was making a lot of good impression. But I remember the one thing that got my attention was when he mentioned who his grandpa was. And I knew who his grandpa was. But it was on his mom's side, so it was a different last name, so I didn't realize he was in that family. But as soon as he said that name and that he was from that family, I was just like, all of a sudden, I felt pretty good. Because of the fact, too, I've known who his grandpa is for over 20 years just from fellowshipping with that church. And he's just, he, I, I've never heard him preach. I don't think he's ever preached. But he's just a servant in that church. I first met him. He was, he was singing in the choir. We sang in the choir there. I remember sitting next to him, talking with him. And then he would always see me at meetings and talk to me. I remember singing in the choir. He would come to football camp. He would help at football camp as a referee, which is like the worst job you can possibly do at football camp because those preachers there treat the referees like garbage. But he would just come and you know, volunteer and serve. He was just always around at church things. And so when I... So when I realized that, I'm like, hey, this guy comes from the servant class in the Baptist world. And let me tell you, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't like to reveal too many secrets publicly because I don't want people to find out and then come and try to fool me with my other kids later. But let me tell you, I don't really give a rip about the preacher class. There is a such a thing as Baptist royalty. And let me tell you, when it comes to who my kids marry, I want the best and I don't want Baptist royalty. I don't want these Baptist brats. I don't, I do not want them. But let me tell you, I do know about the servant class and that might sound bad. I know about the servant class in the IFB world. Those are who I want my kids to go after. You know, I'm thankful that when we went to the youth conference down in Clinton that I saw and observed, you know, Jenna's family all serving at that conference. They weren't the ones speaking. They weren't the ones, you know, doing all the noticeable things. They're behind the scenes working servant class. So far, that's who my kids have been going after are servant class people. And I'm thankful for that. You know why? Because those are the best ones. That's actually biblical. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be shooting for. The Gentiles, they're the one exercising lordship over people. And there are, there's a lot of people in the, in the ministry world, in the Baptist world even, that want to be big shots. They want to move up the ranks of fundamentalism. But then you know what? You've also got people who are just servants that just want to serve the Lord and serve other people. And I'm telling you, there is a vast difference between those people. And I don't care about the royalty. I love the servants. I, and that's who I want for my children. I want the servants. You say, would you ever let your kids marry another preacher's kid? If they're in this, if they're in the servant class, if they were servant class, then I would be all for it. And there's a lot of preachers who are, they are servants, but there's also big shots. There's royalty. I don't want anything to do with them. And I definitely don't want my kids getting involved in that mess because that'll be a mess. And so I, I, if you were to ask me, who would you rather your kids marry? A pastor's kid or a servant's kid? Well, if all I knew about them, was, here's all the information I had. One's a pastor's kid and one's just a servant's kid. I'd say, give me the servant's kid every time. I for sure would say that because you've got a better bet of getting a good one. So, let's look at what the Bible says about this subject and then we'll look at why it works. Because anyone can choose to be obedient. You know, and it is. It's just the work of simply doing what you're told. But understanding, understanding though, 
makes it where you're not only are you willing to do what God says just because you know it will work, but it makes it so no one can stop you from doing it. It, And sometimes as a pastor, I feel like I'm like trying to convince people of something they're not completely sure of. And that's always a little disappointing because it's like, man, if you know, the saying those convinced against their will are of the same opinion still. You know, if I haven't really won you over on this, it's probably not going to stick. But if I can show you, teach you, convince you to where it's yours, then it's never going to go anywhere. And it's and so I hope I can help with this tonight when it comes to this area of service. And if, if you understand why serving is so beneficial for you, nobody's going to be able to stop you from being a servant. And nobody's going to be able to stop you. So first, let's look at the command. All right, here's a command to be a servant. In Philippians 2, 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Right there, we are commanded to have the same mind or the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who lowered himself, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. If Jesus can be a servant, you better believe we can be a servant. Without a doubt, we can be a servant. Right there in Philippians 2 is a command. Here's another command to be a servant like Jesus. Uh, John 13, 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. You better believe Jesus is Master and Lord. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Remember that last line there too, because that's going to tie into another message. But notice how Jesus said, listen, I am your Lord and Master and I'm serving you. You know what? You can do the same thing for other people. You've got to get past this mindset of figuring out ranks. That was what they did back then. That was the culture back then. And folks, nothing's changed. It's the same way today. We're always trying to find a way to elevate ourselves and to try to you know, figure out the pecking order is one way we put it. The social order of things. That is very carnal. That is worldly. We are not supposed to be like that. We are to each esteem other better than themselves. And we all ought to be willing, capable, ready to serve each other. And Jesus said, if you do it, you'll be happy. So what's been interesting said as we've been, I've been preparing these messages is just seeing all the direct connection that these attributes have with each other. Happiness or joy, it's going to be one of the attributes we talk about. You really need to have that in your life. And right here, Jesus said, if you will serve each other, if you'll serve each other like I have, if you will be that servant, you will be happy. And let me tell you, if you are a faithful servant as a Christian, God won't let you be happy. We've got to understand our happiness is dependent on Him. God is the one that ultimately brings peace. God's the one that brings joy. And do you really think God is going to let you be happy when you are just going against His will? 
I mean, and I used the illustration last week, trying to leave an ingredient out of the biscuits. And you know, ladies, if your husband was just convinced he could make better biscuits than you, and then he decided, yeah, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to leave the eggs out or whatever, okay, you are going to be anxious to see that failure take place, you know, because of the fact that you know you have to have these things in there. And if he's just going to be stubborn like that, you're going to want, you know, you're going to enjoy the failure that takes place. You're going to enjoy watching him eating them and pretending it's better than yours when, it, when it's not. And understand, God has told us, I want you to do these things. You better do these things. And then we're like, no, we're not going to do these things. We're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll pick these ones that we like, but we're going to throw out these other things. You think God's going to let us be happy? No, because it ultimately comes from him. It's not going to work. So another thing, too, that we see in the Bible is that God calls servants to positions of authority. In Romans 1.1, notice what it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So, you know, we, and, and in our carnal, worldly mind, you know, we do, we hear titles like apostle. Wow, that's a big deal. But notice how Paul said, called to be, or Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. You know what? God does not call big shots into the ministry. God takes servants and then God gives them a position. God gives them something to do. And this is just kind of interesting. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, a servant, right? Romans 16, if you go to the very last chapter, verse 1, he says, I command unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Chentria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succor of many and of myself also. Now, so notice chapter 16 starts with him commending another servant, a woman, and you know, on the surface this could mesh with their theology about women in leadership, but, but notice though, notice what her business was. Her business was being a succor, which is a, uh, the definition is a patron, uh, a patroness or an assistant. You know what she did? Her service that she did that Paul wanted them to help her in, it wasn't her being in charge. It was her just helping everybody else. She was just somebody that whenever work is going on in the church, she's there helping them. She's a succor of many. She didn't just have one thing, one area, just she was just always there. She made everything more successful by serving. And so Paul's like, hey, if she needs something, you know what? Give her what she needs because wherever she is serving, it is productive. It is beneficial. And her specific service that she did, it was not her being a leader and bossing people around in the church. No, it was her assisting other people. It was her helping the other leadership in the church. So Romans 1 Paul talks about himself as a servant. Chapter 16, the last chapter, he refers to Phoebe as a servant. But then let's look at the very last verse of Romans 16. In verse 27, it says, The only to God only wise be glory throughout Jesus Christ forever. Amen. <clears throat> Written to the Romans from Corinthus and sent by Phoebe, the servant of the church at Chentria. So notice the first verse mentions the servant. The last verse mentions a servant. And that's what she's known as. Just a servant. And that, folks, that right there 
That's a big thing. That's a, that's a good thing. And let me tell you something. Being a servant puts you in really good company. Because don't we want to be like the greats of the Bible? Well, let's look at some greats. You don't have to follow along. I'm going to jump around. Genesis 26:24, And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. It's talking about Isaac who he appeared to. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Abraham, we saw last week, he was noted for his faithfulness. But you know what God also called Abraham? A servant. And God told Isaac, he said, I'm going to bless you because of my servant. Now, I will never know this for sure until I get to heaven. I'm, I'm just convinced of this. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I am convinced that a great deal of the blessings that I have enjoyed in my life are specifically because of my dad and specifically because of my grandparents. My grandparents on my mom's side, they were faithful servants till they died in their churches. My dad, all he really cared about was just turning out good kids, seeing his kids get saved, seeing his grandkids get saved. He talked about it all the time. That was his priority. He did not, you know, he, he never asked for riches and big things. But if my dad ever asked God for anything, it was that his family turn out good, that his kids get saved, that his grandkids get saved, that his great-grandkids get saved. And you know what? Sometimes I look at my life in just areas where I've been blessed where it's like, you know, I don't really deserve things this good, but, you know, I feel like I'm getting it because of my dad. And I don't think, parents, you realize the, the positive impact you can have on your family if you will have these things in your life, if you will be a faithful servant of God, not only is he going to bless you, but what is the best thing? If I want to do something good for you, what is the best thing I could do for you? It's, I could do something for your children. I mean, you can't bless me in any greater way than doing something for my children, just like you can't hurt me in any greater way than doing something hurtful to my children. And so understand that Isaac, one of the reasons he was blessed was because of Abraham. And when God was describing why I'm blessing you, Isaac, because of your father, my servant. So if Abraham could be a servant, I think we can be a servant. Hebrews 3, 5. We mentioned Moses last week, noted for his faithfulness. But Moses 3, 5, it says, And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant. There's that faithfulness and service. He was faithful. Faithful in what? As a servant. For a testimony of those things, which would be spoken after. So Moses is pretty good company. Revelation 15.3 says, And they sing the song of Moses, the deliverer of the people of Israel, right? The guy who parted the Red Sea. Is that what they taught him? No. They sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, in the song of the Lamb. Titus 1.1 Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect. And the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. James 1, 1. James, the servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. Um, or, or, I mix up those two verses. James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Second Peter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude 1, 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1, 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass, and hath sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. So notice that, folks, that title servant, that is nothing to be ashamed of. 
That is, that is a good title. This is what God wants. This is what God is looking for. And it is important. And this is another thing too. Just to illustrate how carnal we just naturally are as people. But did you know that all of the titles that we see in the Bible that God gave, you could say, to people. Did you know all of those titles were originally lowly titles? They originally were lowly things. Now, we've turned these titles into high and lofty things, which is actually causing us to violate the principle of what Jesus said when he said, call no man father upon earth, don't be called a man rabbi. And a lot of people, they look at that and they think, well, those, there's something really bad about those terms. Well, no, the problem with those terms was the fact that it was their way of exercising lordship over the people, which is not what God wanted. Rabbi just means teacher. Okay? That, that, that's all that means. But they had made it into this big thing where it was. It was like just this respectful title and guys loved being called rabbi. You know, they'd walk out with their chest puffed out, whatever. And so understand the titles that we do see in the Bible, like disciple. Disciple is not a lot. It just means you're a follower. That's all it means. They're a disciple of Christ. That, that's, there's nothing lofty about that, but that's what they call Jesus' disciples. Uh, apostle. Apostle just means sent. That's all it means. Now, what do we have today? We've got like characters today in some of these denominations. You know, if they that really rise up the ranks, you know, they take on the title apostle. Okay? Even like Apostle Gino Jennings. I, I know he's entertaining, but uh, he's got some bad doctrine. And you've got to watch out for anybody calling themselves apostle. Now, now, technically, technically, any missionary that gets sent to another country is an apostle. I mean, because all that means is sent. If we sent somebody out of our church to go minister in another part of the world under the authority of our church, technically they're an apostle of Liberty Baptist Church. Now, that's not the same as an apostle of Jesus Christ, like they were directly sent out by him commissioned with certain authority, but it wouldn't be technically wrong to use that term, but we're not going to use that term. You know why? Because people would be like, apostle, you know, because we've made it into a big thing, but that's not how it was originally given. Uh, how about minister? You know, people, people, they used to always talk about the minister, minister so-and-so, and they, they've kind of made it a big respectful thing. But folks, do you realize a minister, it's like a waitress. It's like the busboy at a restaurant. It's just somebody that's serving. It's somebody doing menial tasks. The pastor, that just means shepherd. The shepherds were looked down on in many cultures back in that, back in that day. The pastor, that title was never a lofty title. It was, never to, it was not one that was seen as just this high-ranking thing. Now, we've kind of turned it into that. Hey, we've kind of turned into that. And I'm not saying that we can't respect certain offices and have respect for certain positions. But let me tell you, those titles should never go to your head. And if, if they do, it's a problem. If you're desperate and anxious to be called by one of these things, there's probably something wrong with you. Because we're supposed to just be servants. And, a, and any pastor who is not a servant, who is not a minister, is not actually even fulfilling the role of the pastor. He's just a guy that's got a, good, a title that some people are impressed with. But he's not, it's not the way it should be. Deacon, same thing. 
none of these things were lofty titles, but yet we've kind of turned them into that. So, who are we supposed to be a servant to? Well, in Mark 10, 44, it says, And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Okay, so the question is, how high up do you want to go when it comes to ranks? Well, you know what? Then you better serve everybody. Well, I just, I just want to serve the preacher. Okay, you're going to be pretty low, though, in God's eyes. If you're, if you're just wanting to serve the nobility, you're wanting to serve the big shots. You want to serve the notable people. You just want to serve people that can do something back for you. I mean, that's good. There's nothing wrong with serving. But just understand, if you're not servant of all, you're not going to be the chiefest either. The one who's going to be the chiefest, they're the one that's servant of all. So you know what? If you really want to move up the ranks in God's eyes, I recommend you serve everyone. I recommend you serve the little children here. I recommend you serve the elderly. I recommend you serve lost people when you get an opportunity. That you help just anyone you can just be a servant to all. That's who you are. You just help. That's what you do. That's your reputation. That's how you are as a family. You see something going on with your neighbors. They need some help. You go out and help them. You teach your kids to volunteer. But don't just teach your kids to volunteer. You go volunteer with them. It's like, hey, they need help. And it is, it is feel good, pretty good sometimes, you know, as a dad, when you tell your kids, go do something and they go take care of the responsibility too. But at the same time, we ought to set the example. And don't just say for other people to do it. No, you do it too. Be a servant to all. And we can go on and on with scriptures like this. But I think we got the point. We're supposed to be a servant. I think we, I think we all got the point. So the big question is, why is this so beneficial to us? Why does serving make people happier than the ones being served? And it, it's a fact, folks. People who serve are happier than people who are served. People, the, the, the servant class in church is always happier than the people who are just being served. I don't, and I don't fully understand it all, but I'm just going to show you some things that, you know, we can see in the Bible. And I just, I, I believe these things by faith. But look what it says in 1 Peter 5 5. First reason I think serving makes you happier and why it will be something that will, you will be able to pass these things on to your children is because it actually causes you to gain favor with God. What did Isaac say? Because of Abraham, my servant. Hey, Isaac had favor because of who his father was. Now, you all might not like that, but you know what? Aren't we all the same way? Don't we? Ought, I mean, Zeke, did I not? I mean, I said automatically he scored points when I just found out who his grandpa was. Why? Because, you know, if, if there's somebody that you know and that you love or somebody that you respect, you automatically, you know, the, some of that carries over to their descendants. If you have somebody who you don't respect, okay, you know, and they might be great, but I mean, you know, imagine if, you know, Rosie O'Donnell's son wanted to ask for one of my daughters. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even give him a chance. Now, they, hey, I don't even know if she has a son, but he could get saved. He could turn out to be a great guy, but boy, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to even take a close look in that situation because I got a lot of disgust and disdain for Rosie O'Donnell and, and you know, her son or grandson, some of that's probably going to get passed to them. And you might not think that's fair, but we see this, kind, we even see this kind of thing in the Bible. But look, 
Look what it says in 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Did you know that in order to serve somebody, you do have to humble yourself? That's what Jesus did in Philippians 2. He, he lowered himself. He humbled himself and became a servant. <clears throat> when you serve other people, you know what you're saying? You're better than me. That's what you're doing. And you know what? It's okay for us to do that. It's okay for us to do that. That's what we should do. But you got to mean it too. Don't just like, all right, I'm going to go serve you right now just to show how humble I am and how, that I think you're better than me. You know? don't, don't tell the people that. Just serve. Just, you know, just serve. And, but at the same time, it, if it's that hard for you to serve other people, it's probably because you think you're better than them. Because if Jesus came, if he said jump, we'd be like, how high? Because it's Jesus. But, you know, he wants us to be in that way with everybody. And, but it takes humility. And so he goes on to say, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So understand God will not let his children find happiness out of his will. He won't do it. And I'm telling you, when people serve, God sees that. God notices that. God notices when somebody gives a cold cup of water to one of his disciples. God sees that. They're not going to lose their reward when they do that kind of thing. Why? Because God loves his disciples. And when he sees somebody do something good to one of his disciples, you know what? He's like, man, I'm giving them a blessing. For that, they're helping keep my disciples motivated, and that, and that's why we ought to be motivating each other, folks. Listen, ju just do it to impress God, do it to please God. Anybody that here, I mean, if, if anybody that's here that is saved, you are God's child. If somebody is here and they are God's disciple as well, and they are serving God, and you encourage them in that, God sees that kind of thing. And I am, I am thankful. You, you want to talk about gaining favor with me, people who have encouraged my kids and have motivated my kids to do right and, and to stay on the right path, that goes a long way with me. That really does. And let me tell you, it goes a long way with God too. And so I'm telling you, you want to impress God, I, you don't try to do it by doing something specifically for Him. Don't, you know, and, and I'm not against praying, but don't think because you go home tonight and you do some real fancy prayer to God for an hour on your face, crying, that you're going to impress him more than you would if you just did something to encourage one of his disciples today. That's the kind of thing God looks at, and you gain favor with God. And let me tell you something. God is, God is ultimately what determines happiness. Proverbs 10.22, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Psalms 37.4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of of thine heart. We need to take pleasure in serving God. We need to find our pleasure. We need to find our joy, not in what we can do for ourselves, but on what we can do for the Lord. And then you know what? He'll give us whatever our desires are. And just, and just, you know, this is another sermon for another day. You only think you know what your desires are. And if you get what you think your desires are, you probably won't be happy, but God knows what your desires are. And you get what God knows you want. You will be happy. You will be satisfied. Psalms 106.13 says, They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request. 
but sent leanness to their soul. God said, fine, I'll give you what you want, but you're not going to enjoy it. So, it, you know, we need to stop trying to figure out what we can do to make ourselves happy and say, what can we do to make God happy? Because when we're making God happy, you know what He does? He makes us happy. That's how, that's how God works. And so, serving is one of the best things you can do to just gain favor with God. Serve everyone. Serve others. Find somebody to serve. Find somebody to be a blessing to. And especially, you know, the Bible says let us do good to all men, but especially those who are of the household of faith. Okay, doing good for God's disciples, that, that's, a huge, that's a huge thing. So another thing too, another reason I believe this is the key to happiness is it keeps you from becoming self-centered. You know, that's the problem in our world today. People are very self-centered. Philippians 2, 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That is the opposite of being self-centered. That's you being focused on everything else. Look not every man on his own things. That's self-centered right there. But every man also on the things of others, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And think about this. We are the selfie generation. The social media generation. The generation of narcissists. This is what the world's saying about our generation. And did you know that we are the most unhappy, the most mentally unstable generation in all of human history? Why is that? All this social media stuff, is, it's just made us obsessed with ourselves. And it's making everyone miserable. You know why? Because God's not going to let you find happiness when your life is all about what you can do for yourself. He's going to give you, let you find happiness when you figure out what life's all about. And it's about serving Him. And we serve Him by serving others. That's how we serve God. We serve God by serving others. And you know, go read the book of Ecclesiastes. You will never be more successful than Solomon at whatever it is you're going after. Solomon went after everything that any of us have ever even thought might bring us happiness. And he was, a, he was more successful than any of us. He got it all. And you know what? None of it made him happy. None of it made him happy. And you know, Solomon, he started out right, but he somewhere got off track. I want to show you. Look, I want to show you something in First Kings chapter three. Go ahead and turn over to First Kings chapter three. This might be worth making some notes, kind of underlining some things. I went and I pulled this, this uh, these two passages from some notes uh, from a sermon I preached years ago when I was at Lighthouse. Something that I noticed in this passage. But remember when God came to Solomon and asked him, Solomon, what do you want? I'll give it to you. And notice what Solomon said. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this, thy so great people? Who was Solomon focused on when God gave him that request? He was focused on the people, but more specifically, God's people. He was overwhelmed with the responsibility of being the guy who was over God's people. He's like, this is God's people. This is God's inheritance. Lord, you know what I need? I need wisdom. 
I need an understanding heart. Lord, give it to me. And you know what? God gave it to him. But somewhere, Solomon got off the path. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, notice a huge difference. And understand, when Solomon had that attitude of 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon went on to do some amazing things for God, some great things for God. But we all understand Solomon sinned greatly later in his life that caused the kingdom to get split, caused a lot of great problems. What changed? Well, he went from thy people, thy people, and just, just focused on God, focused on Him, calling himself a servant. We have a major attitude shift. And I'm going to emphasize some words here. But it says in Ecclesiastes 2.4, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith and the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I, I outdid all the other people. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of the kings of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy for my heart rejoiced in all my labor and this was my portion of all my labor. Does anyone notice a difference in attitude right there? Before, it was all about God. It was all about thy people. I'm thy servant. So now it's all about I, me, I, me. I did this for me. And let me tell you, you know what Solomon said about it all? It's vanity. It's vexation of spirit. If Solomon were alive today, he would have, he would be the biggest influencer on all of social media. He'd have six trillion like, you know, followers on Instagram. He would get the most likes. He would outdo, you know, Mr. Beast and Logan Paul and all these people that you hear about all the time. He would be successful. You know what? He'd be just as miserable as the rest of these people too. And I'm telling you, service is where it's at. Service is what brings happiness. Serving others forces you to pay attention to others, which will teach you many things. Because you know, a servant, okay, a good servant, you know what they do? They, they watch their master. They watch for signals. They watch for clues. You know, a good waitress, she's paying attention. That she's watching to see if your glass needs refilled. She's watching to see if you're done with your plate so she can remove these things. They're always watching. They're always paying attention, trying to see what needs to be done. And you know what none of us like doing when you go to a restaurant? At least if, you, if, you know, if you're like me and you're planning on leaving a good tip. You don't want to have to be like raising your hand and asking for things. You don't want to be having to get their attention. You don't, you don't want that. You want them paying attention to you. That's what a good waitress does. That's what a good servant does. And understand, our eyes are not supposed to be always fixed on ourselves. They're supposed to be fixed on other people. And when we're watching other people, you're going to learn a lot of things. For one, you know, you know what you're going to learn when you watch other people? Okay, Not watching to judge. Not watching to see if you're better than them. Or they're better than you. No, watching so you can see their needs to see if there's something you can do. But it, you'll find out there's always people worse off than you. There's, You know, one thing I have to just, whenever I get feeling sorry for myself, one thing I just have to slap myself upside the head with and be like, 
you have no idea how valuable this is. But you know what? How about just having healthy children? Do you realize how valuable that is? Healthy children? Do you know how many people are spending a fortune and how much of their lives is devoted to trying to take care of a child who's got you know, physical problems, disabilities, they're just trying to keep them alive? And you know what? They give everything just so that child could be healthy. And it's like, I can have eight healthy kids and we, we don't even think about it. We can still feel sorry for ourselves. You know what? It probably wouldn't hurt some of us to go visit the children's hospital every once in a while and to see what's going on in these places. We need to pay attention. We need to understand there's, there, there are, there's some tough situations out there. That's why it's good to go out sowing. That's why it's good to go to these bad neighborhoods. Let me tell you, where we went sowing yesterday, I'm thankful for my neighborhood after going out there. I'm, th- I'm thankful for that. And, um, but unfortunately, we, could, we become so self-centered, we don't even see that. And people, they can have so many blessings, but they are so self-centered, they don't even realize it. They have no idea. And it's almost insulting to other people who have things way worse off. You know, and then, I mean, you have, I mean, you'll have ladies too, just talking about, you know, the challenges of being a wife and mother. And let me tell you, I'm sure it's challenging being a wife and mother, but then you have other ladies out there. It's like, I would just love to be a wife and a mother. You know, and it's like, you know, we just, we need to understand. We always have something that we can complain about and cry about, but there's always somebody worse off, but we're not, we got to pay attention. And you know, too, every minute you're helping someone else is another minute you're not, that you are, for one, every minute you're helping somebody else is a minute you're accomplishing something worthy. While every minute you're focused on yourself, you're accomplishing nothing and becoming even more depressed. It it just, it doesn't work. And so I'm telling you, the servant's heart, the servant's attitude, if you will have this as an individual, if you will instill this in your children, if you can teach your children, you're not Baptist royalty, you're servants. We are servants of God. We serve other people. Then you know what? They're not going to be upset if somebody in the church has something a little better than them. Something goes a little better. They're going to be glad. They're going to be glad when good things happen to other people. You don't want to be that person that gets mad and upset and depressed when something good happens to other people. That's a bad attitude to have. But if you're a servant, you don't care. You find happiness in that. And you also want to help other people be happy. And God blesses that. You gain favor with God. And so, without a doubt, there have been many people I've observed over the years, including pastors and their families, who a lot, everyone would probably consider servants, yet they crashed and burns, burned, their kids all abandoned ships. And let me just say, based on my experience, what I've observed too, because I have, I've noticed that how, I mean, some, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm pr- pretty mean about preacher's kids sometimes because in general they can be pretty rotten. But at the same time, too, I mean, there are some fantastic pastor's families out there. And what I believe the key is, there are, there are pastors that are out there that are in it for themselves and that have succeeded and they have gotten a lot out of being in the ministry. They've gotten a lot of fame, notoriety, respect, all those things. And you know what? When it, that, if that's why you're doing it, you're not a servant and your kids aren't going to be servants. And so they're eventually going to figure out that, you know what, I can actually get more if I go outside the Baptist world. And if that's what you were always pursuing, your kids will pick up on it. 
Your kids will pick up on it. You, you, nobody else has ever said that. I'm just out to see what I can, how much I can fleece these people for. Nobody's ever said that. But if that's what they're doing, their kids will pick up on it, and that's what they're going to do. But the ones who served, I mean, I could tell you about preachers. These aren't big names who served in small churches their whole life, who went through trials, challenges, sometimes were even treated really bad, had some really rough experiences, and yet for some reason those kids grew up and went in the ministry themselves. Why? You know why? Because while their parents never had much as far as money, fame, notoriety, all the things that the Gentiles want, all the things our world wants, you know what they did have? They had happiness. They had contentment, they had peace, they had joy, all the things that everyone's looking for, and they figured out they got it from service. And so, you know, that's how we work hard. We don't work hard to see what we can get for ourselves, but what we can get for other people. That's where happiness is. Every every one of you in here, you have a spiritual gift. When you got saved, God gave you gifts. God gave you spiritual gifts that were meant for the edifying of the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 12, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel. Why? Because, man, I'm going to use those spiritual gifts to see what I can get for myself. No. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. That's why God gave it to you. What is it that you have going for you that God gave to you for the edifying of the church? Did you know a lot of your famous singers out there today, you know where they got started? singing in church. God blessed them. God gifted them with talent and great singing abilities. And they use it for the edifying of the church. But somewhere, somewhere along the line, they're like, you know what? I could get something for myself out of this. And you know what they did? They went and got something for themselves. And now they're not serving the Lord. Now they're leading people away from Christ. What a sad thing. That What a tragedy that is. And you know what all those people end up doing too? Drugs. ODing. I think Elvis started. That's how he, he started singing in church. And look how he died. ODing on a toilet. What a terrible, what a terrible way to die. You know what? He took what God gave him for the edifying of the church and he used it for himself. And he died a miserable death and his daughter married Michael Jackson. Not worth it. Not worth it. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for these lessons and these examples in Your Word. I pray, Lord, You'll help all of us here to have that attitude. Lord, help us never have a pecking order in our church or uh, any, that type of foolishness, Lord, but we will be a church of servants that we will serve one another, we will love one another, we will have the same mind as You in these things. And Lord, I just pray that You'll uh, make it real so we can pass these things on to our children. In Your name we pray. Amen.